The eight factors mentioned here, eight factors mentioned as the fourth noble truth arise at the moment of Magga consciousness. That means at the moment of, of enlightenment. But what about moments before enlightenment? Now we, we all want to get enlightenment and we practice. So when we are practicing, what about these eight? Are we practicing these eight factors or not? Here, right, in this explanation, these eight factors are called the fourth noble truth, and these eight factors are those that arise with Magga consciousness. Magga consciousness is actually a, a, a fruit of Vipassana meditation. Although it is not called a resultant consciousness, it is actually the fruit of Vipassana meditation. So, these eight factors here are the fruit. But how, in order to get that fruit, we must do something, right? In order to get the fruit, you must uh, grow a tree and so on. So, when we are practicing Vipassana meditation, are we following the fourth noble truth? Are we following the Noble Eightfold Path or not? No, I am not asking whether you try to or not. Huh? Are we, are you, uh, practicing the, the, the Noble Eightfold Path when you are practicing Vipassana meditation? Hmm? <laughs> now, we, you have to understand that there are two kinds of the Eightfold Path. Huh? the real Eightfold Path at the moment of enlightenment and preliminary Eightfold Path preceding the real Eightfold Path. So two, two kinds of Eightfold Path. The, the real Eightfold Path that arises at the moment of enlightenment or Magga. And then the preliminary Eightfold Path that leads to the Magga consciousness, and that leads to the moment of enlightenment. So what we practice, when we practice Vipassana meditation is that preliminary Eightfold Path, not the real Eightfold Path. Actually the real Eightfold Path is the outcome or the fruit of the preliminary Eightfold Path. Now you must understand this clearly. Otherwise it, it would not make sense because the, the eight factors mentioned here are the outcome of the practice. So, somebody may say, we are not practicing Noble Eightfold Path uh, when we are practicing Vipassana, because Noble Eightfold Path is available only at the moment of enlightenment. So, what we practice when we practice Vipassana meditation is called what? Preliminary Eightfold path. That preliminary eightfold path we practice or we must practice. Now, when you practice vipassana meditation, can you can you see these these factors walking? Hmm? So when you take the precepts, you are practicing the three middle ones, right? The right. Right, right speech, right action, and right livelihood. 
Suppose you take precepts and now you, you, you sit down and you practice meditation. So in order, when you practice meditation, you try to be mindful, right? And in order to be mindful, you have to make effort. If you do not make effort, you, are not, you cannot be mindful. So that effort is what? The right effort here. Huh? And then you practice mindfulness and say, uh, rising, falling, rising, falling, rising, falling, sitting, uh, touching and so on. So your mind, your mind uh, goes to the object and hit the object uh, when, whenever there is an object. So that hitting the object is, mi is mindfulness. So your mindfulness hit this object, your mindfulness hits that object and so on. So mindfulness is also involved in your practice. And then when your mindfulness becomes stronger, your mind as it were goes into the object or your mind uh, as it were sticks to the object. And that, that is what we call samadhi, concentration. So with, uh, with the help of mindfulness, your mind becomes concentrated. Your mind can stay on one object uh, only. And when your mind becomes concentrated, you begin to see things clearly. Now, our mind ordinarily is like a muddy water. So you put the muddy water in the glass and you cannot see what is in, in, in the water because it is muddy. Then you put it there and then the particles of mud settle down and then it becomes clear. So when it becomes clear, you see what are there, right? So in the same way, there are what are called mental hindrances in our minds. Sensual desire, ill will, sleepiness, worry, anxiety, doubt and so on. So, so long as these mental hindrances are in our minds, we cannot see things clearly. By, by the practice of right effort, right mindfulness and right concentration, these mental hindrances are subdued or they settle down. So when they are subdued, mind becomes clear. So when mind becomes clear, you see things clearly. Now you see objects very clearly, very vividly, as though you are seeing the, the, uh, the, the real thing with your eyes open. And when you see things clearly, you also see what they are, what this thing is. If you do not see a thing clearly, you do not know what this is. But now you see it clearly, and so you see this, uh, uh, what, what it is, and also you, you, you see the, the, the details of this object also. And then you also see that this object just arise, uh, arises and disappears. It does not last for a long time. So whatever object you take, first you see it clearly because now your mind is free from mental hindrances. You see it clearly and then you see what it is. And you also see that it arises and disappears. So when you see that object arise and disappear, you know this is impermanent. When you know this is impermanent, you know that this is dukkha. 
because whatever is impermanent is dukkha, according to the Buddha. And this dukkha, you cannot turn it into turn into sukha or happiness. It 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 comes and goes by by itself, and so there is no control over it. And so you see the another nature of things uh, through vipassana. So when you practice vipassana, these factors are working actively in your mind. Right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, and right understanding. And right understanding can come only when there is right thought. Right thought means the mental factor that puts the mind on the object. So, at every moment of good meditation, these five factors are working actively. Five means right effort, right concentration, I mean uh, right mindfulness, right concentration, right thought, right, uh, right view, right thought. Now the other three that belong to sila are not actively participating, but they are already accomplished. When you take the precepts, you take them with the intention of keeping them, right? You, you, you have no intention of breaking them when you take them. So, after you take the precepts, then they are already accomplished. They will no longer be working actively, because they are already accomplished. But the other five are acting, I mean, participating actively. And so these five are called worker, worker factors or working factors. These, uh, these five must always be present in your mind when you practice uh, vipassana meditation. So in the beginning, right view may not, not come yet, right? <laughs> Before you see the thing clearly, how can you know that it is impermanent and so on, right? So in the beginning, before you get good concentration, that right view may not be present. But there are other kinds of right view also. That is uh, the, uh, the understanding of the law of karma. Understanding that there is karma and there is the, the result of karma and that is also called right view. And understanding uh, the objects as anicca, dukkha, and anatta is also called right view. So right view, there are many kinds of right view. The, the understanding of karma and, karma and result, understanding of the three characteristics, and then right view at the moment of uh, path consciousness, right view at the moment of uh, fruition consciousness, and so on. So the real right view may not be present in the beginning stages of vipassana. That is, before you get concentration and before you see the objects clearly. Then, from the moment you are able to subdue the mental, mental hindrances and your mind becomes clear and concentrated, you will begin to see the objects clearly and so on. And from that moment, the, the factor of right view will come into your mind. So, when you practice vipassana meditation, you are following or you are practicing 
the fourth noble truth, the noble truth of the path uh, that goes to the cessation of suffering. So, what one must do in order to follow the fourth noble truth? Yeah. So, in order to follow the eightfold path, what must you do? <laughs> yeah? You must have right feeling. <laughs> so, in order to have uh, right effort and so on, what do you do? Hey, right. You have to practice, right? Then there are two kinds of practices, samatha meditation and vipassana meditation. So which one do you prefer? Which one do you want to practice? Vipassana or samatha? <laughs> now samatha meditation leads to strong concentration. Huh? And it can lead you to attaining jhanas and if you are uh, really gifted, uh, you may attain abhinyas and normal knowledges. But but samatha by itself cannot lead you to understanding the three characteristics. Cannot lead you to understanding the nama and rupa clearly. If your aim is to get free from this samsara, if your aim is for the total purification of your mind, you need to practice vipassana meditation. Without vipassana meditation, total purification of mind cannot be achieved. I do not, I am not saying that you are not to practice samatha at all. You, you, if you want to, you may practice samatha meditation, but do not be satisfied with just the practice of samatha meditation, even though you may get psychic powers and so on, because they will not lead you to penetrating into the nature of things. They will not lead you to understanding Nama and Rupa and so on. So, Buddha's aim is to all of us to reach Nibbana. Buddha's aim is all of us to achieve total purification of mind. Since Buddha's aim is total purification of mind, we should practice Vipassana meditation. We may we may skip samatha meditation, but we cannot skip vipassana. That means we may uh, not practice samatha meditation, but we must uh, definitely practice vipassana meditation. So, vipassana meditation is very important, and when we practice vipassana meditation, we are really following the Buddha's advice or we are really practicing the fourth noble truth, that is the noble truth that leads to the noble truth of the way that leads to the cessation of suffering. In the Satipatthana Soda, Buddha said this is the only way. This is the only way for the purification of beings. This is the only way means this middle way, uh, this noble eightfold path, or uh, this practice of uh, mindfulness. So this is the most important practice for us. And so long as we practice mindfulness meditation, we are prolonging the, the sas Buddha sasana. We are extending the life of Buddha sasana. Once Buddha was asked, 
after his death, what will cause his sasana to endure long, and what will cause his sasana to endure for a short time? And the Buddha said, so long as there are people who practice uh, mindfulness meditation, the sasana will be prolonged. So by practicing vipassana meditation, by, by, by practicing mindfulness meditation, we are prolonging or we are making the Buddha's sasana live longer. Right? At the same time, we are trying to get rid of mental defilements. So we are doing a good service to the, to the Buddha's dispensation when we practice vipassana meditation. And we are honoring him with the best of honor we can do and with the honor that he, Buddha, likes us to do. Buddha said, honoring him with four requisites is not as good as honoring him with practicing his teachings. So that we must keep in mind and we can, we try to honor the Buddha as best we can by the practice of mindfulness meditation by practice of the Noble Eightfold Path. So these four are called the four noble truths. They are called noble because they are discovered by or penetrated by or understood by and revealed by the noblest of the nobles, that is the Buddha. So first we must understand the four noble truths in theory. Like, like you do now. And then we must understand the Four Noble Truths with reference to our practice or through our practice. So when you practice Vipassana meditation, you will come to see the Four Noble Truths. Now you will see the, the Noble Truth of Suffering and you will see the Noble Truth of the Origin of Suffering and although you will not see yet the Noble Truth of Cessation of Suffering, but at the end, when you gain enlightenment, you will see the Third Noble Truth. And the Fourth Noble Truth, you are practicing the preliminary, for no, uh, the Fourth Noble Truth, when you are practicing Vipassana meditation, and when you reach the, the, the stage of enlightenment, then you have done, you have practiced, you have developed the Noble Eightfold Path. So these are the eight four, I mean, the four noble truths taught by the Buddha in the first sermon, in the very first sermon he gave to his five disciples. Now, when, when Buddha taught four noble truths, it took him about a few minutes. But now, we have been studying the four noble truths for how many hours? Three, four, five hours. Huh? Yeah. Actually, Buddha must have explained in detail than is recorded now in the first sermon. So, I think only the gist of what Buddha taught was recorded in the first sermon. Because they, they, they might have asked Buddha questions and Buddha must have explained to them and how to practice and so on. So, so this the, the doctrine of or the teachings of the Four Noble Truths is very important in Buddhism and it is said that whatever Buddha taught can be included in the Four Noble Truths because 
Now the first noble truth comprises almost all everything in the world except just tanha, right? So tanha is a second noble truth, and the rest of the world is the first noble truth actually. And then the third noble truth is out of this world, the, the cessation of suffering or nibbana. And the fourth noble truth again is in the world, right? The fourth noble truth is a group of eight factors, and these eight factors are the mental factors or chaitasikas. So they belong to mind. So whatever Buddha taught cannot go out of these four noble truths. We can include and any kind of teaching in the Four Noble Truths. And so the, the understanding of the Four Noble Truths is very important. And not just understanding theoretically, but understanding experientially. So we must try to experience um, the Four Noble Truths so that we really achieve the total purification of mind. So what is important is total purification of mind. Now, many people said they want to attain Nibbana, they want to attain Nibbana, right? So, and then they think that Nibbana can be attained in the next life. Is that true? Yeah? Now, many people, when they, when they pay homage to the Buddha, when they do some meritorious deeds, they say, we, may we attain Nibbana, and they mean, may we attain Nibbana in the next life, after death. <laughs> yeah? when, when will you attain Nibbana? Next life? Or in this life? Right, very good. So, you can achieve it in this life if you, if you make effort. Huh? And sometimes I, uh, I, I say to people that don't worry about Nibbana. Don't worry about attaining or not attaining Nibbana. But you should aim at the purification of mind. Once you achieve the purification of mind, you attain Nibbana. But Nibbana is a faraway thing and it is difficult to understand. But purification of mind, you can relate to you or to yourself, right? Now, you, 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 you think of your mind and you know your mind has the mental defilement. Now, think of a time when your mind will be totally free from mental defilement. How happy you will be at that time? Happy means peacefully happy, not, not like happy enjoying um, sensual pleasures, but peacefulness. How peaceful you will be, how happy you will be when your mind is totally pure. When your mind is totally pure, then whatever object you, you experience, you come across, you will not be affected by those objects. You will, even though it is very attractive, you will not be attracted to that object. Even though it is very um, frightening, you will not be afraid of that object. If it is, uh, even though if it is very, you call that, very bad, then you will not be affected negatively by that object. So, when your mind is totally pure, totally pure means become incapable of getting angry, getting attached and so on, you will feel very free at that time. Sometimes 
you want something very much, and that means you 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 become a slave of that thing, right? You want this thing, you want this thing, or you are attached to thing, you do this thing, and you are under the influence of that thing. Or if you are, uh, if you have too much love for a person, also you are under the influence of that person. Once you can, you can make your mind free from those attachments and so on. You become free, and that freedom from attachment and so on is the is the aim uh, is the thing we should aim at when we practice meditation or whatever we do. We should aim at achieving that total purification. Once our mind becomes totally pure, we will be the, the happiest persons in the world. No worry, no anxiety, no depression, always peaceful. So we should aim at the total purification of mind when we practice vipassana. And, and you remember the Buddha saying at the beginning of the Satipatthana Sutta, this is the only way for the purification of beings, Buddha said, right? For the purification of being means for the purification of minds of beings. Buddha did not put it, uh, put nibbana at the beginning, right? Only later Buddha said for, for the attainment of nibbana. But the, the first thing Buddha said was for the total purification of mind. So that, that is the thing we should aim at. If we are, if we had, uh, Paramis in the past, uh, accumulated in the past, then we will we'll be able to achieve total, total purification in this life. If we cannot, we, at least we will be able to achieve partial purification. So, to the extent that uh, our mind is pure, we will, we will experience peacefulness or happiness. So, it is for that purpose that we should practice meditation and also we should aim at achieving the total purification of mind whenever we do some, some meritorious deed. So these, the understanding of the Four Noble Truth is uh, really important and I'm glad that you, uh, you are interested in the Four Noble Truths and you want to understand Then I have um, tried my best to, to make you understand the Four Noble Truths. But you can, you can read the Visuddhimagga if you want to know more about the Four Noble Truths. And I, I let you bring the book and read the book deliberately, because I, I, can, I can teach without referring to the book, but I want you to be able to find what you want in the book. Once you have gone through at least like this, then later when you pick up the book, then you can, you can read and understand. So do not be in, uh, satisfied with just what I taught to you. But try to learn more about the Four Noble Truths and others from, from the books like Visuddhimagga and uh, other books. The more you know, and the better uh, you'll be able to understand and practice. Uh -huh.